Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome back to another Parts Unknown podcast. My name is the Heartbreak Kid, Ben Green. The uh, Marty Gennetti podcasting, John Ashdown can't be with us today, but we are joined for the first time ever by sensational queen, Carrie Dunn. Hello, Carrie. Hello. How's it going? Yeah, good, thank you. Now, I have written, if not the book on podcasting, then certainly a book on podcasting. (laughs) Carrie has written the book on UK wrestling and beyond. Carrie, what's it called? It's called Spandex, Screwjobs and Cheap Pops Inside the Business of British Pro Wrestling. If you haven't seen this book, everybody, Magnus uh, is in his pants on the front of it. Magnus is in his pants. So is is Doug Williams, to be fair. Uh, You're working on a follow-up. I am, yeah. Um, So Spandex came out uh, summer of 2013, so just as kind of British wrestling revival was kind of on the up so I kind of caught that crest of the wave pretty well I think actually so I'm quite pleased about that so the one I'm working on now is kind of slightly broader kind of a bit more international a bit more global so I shall be off to uh, North America at the start of next year and I shall be off to Spain in a couple of months time to see some promotions there so yeah stay tuned I'll let you know Fantastic. So we're, we're in the company of a proper wrestling journalist here. Uh, not just a wrestling journalist, someone with a, a PhD in wrestling, sort of. PhD in sports sociology, yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> and uh, how's this for a segue? What, what did you make of the psychology uh, oh. going into, uh, into this pay-per-view, which we're going to talk about? No Mercy, or um, as they call it in France, Non Merci, the first French-themed pay-per-view. <laughs> But in Tish. Oh, let's put it like this. I wasn't entirely psyched up for No Mercy going into it. I didn't think they'd set up things particularly well. Um, and I thought it was a pretty poor show, to be honest. Um, yeah. So let's talk about the Shield reunion. I think maybe, <laughs> maybe we'll come to that. I think just in general, um, you know, I've, I've been doing this podcast for almost a year. John is the king of sad style. Um we, we we tend to watch the pay-per-views together and he he has a thing for uh, the golden era of WCW, tends to compare everything to that. The two of us generally come away feeling slightly disappointed yeah. um, from every pay-per-view that we've seen. Now, going into this one, you know, they had the, the WrestleMania-worthy uh, double main event. And fair enough, those were two big matches on paper in the ring. On paper, yeah. In the ring, they failed to deliver. Once again. But isn't this what WWE are meant to do all the time? This was a September pay-per-view. This isn't This isn't SummerSlam. It's not Mania. Even the Rumble. Well, yeah. I mean, I, I get that. Obviously, you're going to save your, your big events for your big name pay-per-views. But then don't run one every two weeks then. If you haven't got enough ideas to fill out your fortnightly pay-per-views, don't do them fortnightly. You've got, what, 10 hours of live programming a week they do now. They can, you know, they can barely fill that. You know, you're trying to sell us a product, you know, make it good. They did three months of build for Roman and Cena in, you know, just over two weeks. And these were some pretty, pretty spiky promos that they put together. Um, some very good work shoot 
stuff. You know, it all seemed very close to the bone and in the best possible way. Um, but then let, let's talk about the match. Let's talk about the match itself. I was watching it with my wife. She's seen Roman Reigns a few times on telly, and uh, I have a gigantic man crush on him. And she's all, you know, that's and that's exactly why he is the most important person in the business at the moment. But she left after about three minutes because there was this was such a plodding start yeah. to this match. Yeah, I mean, I should probably say that when I watch matches, I'm not necessarily kind of that bothered about the kind of technicalities of ring work. I mean, I've got friends who are kind of like really into that, and they'll you know be really into the moves and kind of stuff and it, i'm interested in kind of the storytelling but that was equally kind of slow and plodding the way i thought about reigns and cena is that like you're saying they're cramming in three months of preparation into that font the, the two weeks of of promos i felt like they'd carried on like three months of feud in kind of that 20 minutes however long it was that they went you know they kind of had their kind of handshake at the end and the cena raising the arm and kind of going mutual respect now it's like seriously you're doing all that now is that not a kind of a longer thing is that not a narrative that you could develop no it's just kind of bam that's done now why don't why are you not cheering roman reigns still yeah because this was essentially hogan versus warrior at uh, at wrestlemania 6 but the ending was very much you know there was no hot dogging from from cena here and he kind of gave the impression and the body language and everything that he's he's retiring and you know Roman has retired him he's he's beaten him now and he, he went on he went on Raw Talk or was it Raw I didn't watch it but I have read this and, and you know essentially gave the rub to um, to Roman and this is the new number one guy it's just happened too quickly this should have been the first act and they've, mm. they've blown it seems. yeah or well, Cena was saying that you know the only reason I have to come back and be a part timer is because you can't do your job properly what's changed in that fortnight that means Reigns can do his job properly now He's beaten him in that really terrible match, and that's what's and that's what has uh, and that's what's retired Cena. No, it, no, it can't yeah, be. One, it's just to make any sense. One Superman punch, one spear. Uh, whereas, of course, Roman could withstand four four <laughs> AAs, including one off the second rope, perhaps a third. Uh, you know, I thought the the ring work it, it certainly got better as the match went on. Uh, I quite enjoyed the crowd chanting "You both suck" at the beginning, <laughs> and then Cena walking off. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I am increasingly fond of John Cena, though. He does seem to have a certain sense of self-irony these days. Yeah. I suppose you would have to be if you're engaged to Nikki Bella, but, you know. There was one horrible moment in this. It was the table spot where I thought that Roman had broken his neck. He, you know, uh, he was being set up for the for the Super AA on the tables, um, reversed it into a spear, but he landed really, really nastily. This was, in fact, one of... At least two bad landings in this. The other being Nia Jax uh, from the oh, outside that yeah. power bomb. Yeah, there were some there were some pretty nasty bumps in this in this entire card. Poor Cesaro, that was terrible, wasn't it? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but we'll, we'll 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 talk about him in a, in a sec. Let, let's just let let let's wrap this uh, Roman and Cena story. Um, I think that Cena is now looking um, well. He's growing his hair. <laughs> and he's going. He's looking slightly bald at the back. Yeah. Something we brought up on on a previous podcast. He's also got sort of the Shawn Michaels jaw now. I mean, he's, he hasn't got that lovely stubble light beard that Shawn had uh, when he was in his forties. But what do you think Cena's going on to next? What do you think Roman's going on to next? Well, Cena's going to go off and do his movies and total bellas, and I imagine that Nikki Bella is going to get herself impregnated at some point soon. So that'll be probably a spin-off series in itself, isn't it? He'll be back for the rumble, won't he? 
Do you think he'll win it? I hope is not. He, is he going to be a 17-time champion? Yes. I think if Ric Flair had died, I don't think they would have they would have done that. But I think now that he seems to have come out of things in a much better way, tap tap wood. Yeah, um, I think Cena Cena seventeen. That's that's going to be coming yeah, up soon. I think it's inevitable. Yeah, uh, which in many ways brings us on to the title match, the other um, main event in this, and it's the Universal Title rather than the allegedly far more prestigious title <laughs> currently being held by Jinder Mahal. Um, yeah, Brock Brock versus Braun. Braun, they've been building up so much over the past few months. He's the most over uh, performer that they've got there. The reactions he gets, amazing. The the you know the basically the the way he's been squashing Brock in all the in in all the build up to this, and then he le- then he loses from one at five. It's just inexplicable. I I don't know what the plan is there. I mean, I get that obviously Brock can't go for that long in the ring now, and I get that you know he's got this contract and he does a certain number of engagements, but I mean seriously, he's he's, he's going to be the one that's going to carry your belt still stick it on Braun for goodness sake I mean I was thinking that they were pretty gassed by uh, you know just before the finish came up but still the finish caught me by surprise and it certainly caught the crowd by surprise because mm. they were saying we want tables this stuff this match happened entirely inside the ring when you go back a month to SummerSlam and they had you know the, these two were part of that incredible main event with chairs being thrown at each other tables you know just a complete car crash um then this was this was a very odd way to do uh, this was a very odd way for the match to finish just um you know clean in the middle of the ring braun who had dominated the mm. match thus far um taking it clean again this this should have been building up more to um you know the next pay-per-view on on raw is tlc which is when they can have this yeah this style of match um but it just seems like they've pulled the rug out from under braun here yeah, I mean, it would have made kind of sense if there'd been some kind of, I don't know, interference or, I don't know, Heyman sticking his nose in somewhere or Braun setting on Brock afterwards. I don't know, just something that kind of didn't, like such a damp squib, really. I, don't, you know, I, I like Brock, I really do. I think he's fantastic and he makes me laugh and his big pink gammony face, I just, <laughs> I just love him. But, you know, yeah, it should have been Braun. I just didn't understand. I didn't understand the match. I really didn't. I thought it made Braun look a bit daft. Do you think they have a rematch? Well, I would. I would assume so. I would assume so. But I don't know what Brock's contract is like at the moment. But I think Braun looks. Well, I mean, he he was looking invincible-ish, unless it was Roman Reigns uh, that he was up against. Now, now he seems he's no longer the monster. You get one chance to do that. Well, he did stick his nose into the cruiserweight division this week and break Enzo for a bit. And uh, after Raw had finished, that was quite funny. I hate Enzo so much. <laughs> I, I can't. Can we talk about that? <laughs> Let's talk about that now. I can't stand Enzo. I never have done. And um, he's still doing his same. He's yeah. doing the same mic work going into the ring. He's showing what a completely limited performer he is. You know, his his gimmick is he gets beaten up. That's it. And he cheated to win to get the belt off off Neville. And you love Neville. Why do you love, love Neville? Why do you love Neville? Well, um, oh, this sounds like a complete marky kind of thing to say because I am a complete mark. So when in his previous incarnation, when he was working the Indies and Japan as Pac, I used to really like the stuff that he did then. So I was a huge fan of his then. I remember I saw him at Dragon Gate in Nottingham probably six six years ago, maybe must be the end of 2011, I think. 
it being a relatively small indie show, so the performers would come out afterwards and they'd kind of be changed and they'd be sitting in the crowd watching the matches. They got changed in front of everyone else? Well, not like, in not <laughs> in the arena, but they'd come back out after they had a shower and got changed. And he comes out, God love him, in his Newcastle shirt and his glasses. How can you not love a wrestler who does that kind of offence and then comes out in his glasses and Newcastle shirt with his hair neatly combed? Was he massive back then, I mean, physically? Was he ripped back then? Oh, yeah. Yeah, he always has been. Every time, you know, first time I saw him, he's just he's always looked like that. His talking has improved so much. And I, th- I think he's just a fantastic performer. And I was a bit worried when he got called up to WWE main roster. I thought he might get kind of lost in the shuffle. I well, thought, they gave him that cape to start yeah, with. Yeah, the whole Mighty Mouse gimmick kind of thing. And uh, I think he's just been fantastic. Yeah, it's kind of it's really exciting to see people that you've watched for years suddenly kind of get that kind of global TV exposure. Like, yeah, I always knew he was good, and yeah, I kind of feel a certain amount of you know, pride, I suppose, personally proud of of Neville. Well, I look forward to the interview with him in your second book. Um, now, of course, the, the the reasons why they put the belt on Enzo, I mean, it's clearly to get more more eyes on on 205 and that division um because kids love him but what does uh, what does neville do now is he done with the cruiserweights does he now sort of go towards the the ic division there yeah well what i'm guessing from having watched this week's raw and smackdown you haven't watched either of those have you yet? i never okay. watch raw okay. or smackdown i'm afraid okay so, you so haven't i'm, seen I'm relying on it. you here. okay so at the so Neville came out and he was talking to Enzo and basically uh, what Enzo had said to Kurt Angle was that I want a guarantee that nobody in the cruiserweight division can touch me outside of the ring because if they do they won't get a title shot and Angle was just like you're really annoying yes I'll sign that to get you to go away and leave me alone so at the end uh, Enzo's in the ring talking about how great he is Neville came out uh, with the rest of the cruiserweights all behind him and basically saying we hate you. We all hate you. We're united in this. We might hate each other, but we all hate you. And so Enzo's going, yeah, but I've got my bit of paper from Kurt. You can't touch me. And if you do, you'll lose your championship uh, rematch. And Neville just basically went, I don't care. So Neville did set on Enzo. And then uh, the rest of the cruiserweights set about him too. So I would imagine that's quite a nice way of Neville, Neville moving away from that programme. Maybe Enzo's going to move into something else in 205 Live. I would love to see Neville in the intercontinental mix. I'd love to see him feud with AJ Styles, actually. I was talking to my friend about this yesterday. Can you imagine a Neville and AJ Styles match? It'd be fantastic. That would be incredible. Do you uh, you have a bit of a, a thing for Sami Zayn as well? I have right? a huge thing for Sami Zayn. I love Sami Zayn. My favourite kind of... Uh, characters in wrestling I guess are, are, are the noble heroes and you get so few of them you in love WWE. a plucky underdog I you? really do love a plucky underdog so, I was actually <laughs> right, working on my book this week and I was thinking about kind of my favourite wrestlers so I said to one of my mates if you had to describe the kind of wrestlers that I like best what would you say and he just said you like your nice polite smiling happy scrappy underdog boys I was like yeah that's pretty much it yeah but Sami Zayn yeah he's a noble hero you don't get them in WWE you get your cheating baby faces who make their snarky comments Sami Zayn always tries to do what's right and I, I really like that I think that's very I don't know unique I guess I just banged the table as if to, to, as if to ing- agree with how noble Sami Zayn is absolutely okay well <laughs> listen we'll, we'll, we'll take a quick break at this point and we will come back and talk about that tag match with Sheamus and Cesaro 
millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. We're back. This is Parts Unknown. I'm Ben Green and I'm with Carrie Dunn, author, professor, doctor, sensational. She's here. Hello, Carrie. Hello. Hello again. Um, you've been wincing every time we've mentioned the tag <laughs> I just did it again. You've done it again. <laughs> um, Seamus and Cesaro versus Two Thirds of the Shield. This was the standout match by some distance. Um, I really loved it. Yeah, absolutely fantastic. I mean, Cesaro has been one of my favourites for, again, he's one of those ones I've seen for you know, several years and I've always, always loved his work. Uh, love the Shield still. Uh, even though there's only two-thirds of them, it's the best two-thirds of them, so that's okay. But yeah, what a fantastic match, but but brutal. I, I ended up not being able to watch kind of part of the end. I was kind of watching it through through my fingers because I couldn't look at Cesaro anymore. Poor Cesaro. So have you have you seen the black and white pictures of him? You know, whenever someone has stitches or, or there's blood, WWE always put the, the black and white images on them. I saw the ones that Seamus was tweeting. Uh, yeah. So it turns out that he, he didn't have his teeth knocked out. His teeth went up. Um into his jaw and he carried on for about two minutes in the ring and then another 10 or so um you know to complete the match the the blood on his face made him look psychotic and this may be just the best thing that's ever happened to him in his wwe career he's a legitimate hard man i mean i think i don't know whether wwe have kind of always been a little bit wary of him because he's a bit smart he speaks all those languages he's a bit swiss and boring he's a bit european he's a bit you know he likes coffee he's interested in stuff that you know isn't you know baseball or whatever but yeah he's a legitimate tough guy and yeah having your teeth knocked up into your jaw is a fairly excessive way of proving that i think but yeah you might be right it might be a good thing for him ultimately yeah, I, I really like this match, in particular because it was a proper tag match. Mm. Sheamus and Cesaro, who about this time last year were were in their own feud, I think, or they were either in their own feud or just doing their own thing and no one cared about them. But since they've become this tag team, they've become so good inside the ring. And what I really liked here is that they must have tagged in and out about 40, 50 times between them. They, they properly mm. did did the tag thing which you don't often get when two individuals are thrown together um so i was i was really impressed with them um and then uh rollins came in did a super hot tag at at one point he did loads of flippy moves and i I like it when he does that because you know it's the face of the new uh 2k18 game you know being one half of a tag team albeit the champions it's not the best position that he could be in he uh you know he should be in that title picture but he's he's so good in the ring 
Oh, yeah, he's he's fantastic. I mean, I do worry a little bit when he does some of his moves now because obviously he's got his, uh, his poorly knee. Well, I don't believe rebuilt. he sold the knee at any point in this match, which is generally what he does. If he does anything, he, he sells the knee. Um, no, he, he seemed to come away quite unscathed in this one. Yeah, I just I just worry. I, I, I worry if I'm watching a things that are too are too high risk particularly when it comes down to the shield i worry about the shield quite a lot and that finish yeah yeah never seen anything like never it. never seen anything like it <laughs> yeah i mean there were about three or four points where i thought that's got to be the end and it just wasn't and yeah yeah I, fantastic i think when you put the the matches between the shield and and sheamus and cesaro and then uh Cesaro's, matches with the hardy boys they had that two out of three falls or was it the 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 iron man match you know which also had an incredible finish they've been putting on some of the best stuff in in the ring they they have been stealing the show and i i you know you've been talking about sort of legitimate hard ass and you know he's mm-hmm. interesting he's he's not your typical wwe person um i really like the interviews that that these two are giving mm. as well because they they just seem to be having more fun they seem like a bit older and wiser than the rest they're enjoying what they're doing and uh despite his ridiculous mohawk hairstyle you know i think they're they're acceptable for for grown-up fans like you and me to uh to appreciate and enjoy I speak for yourself in terms of grown-up but uh <laughs> yeah i think what you said about them being kind of a little bit older and wiser that's quite interesting because they are they're kind of what what late 30s probably they're yeah kind of, yeah they're not kind of the up and comers they're kind of established they've got 15 15 years of in-ring experience behind them and this kind of uh, i guess this kind of high profile is coming to them reasonably late on a bit like aj styles you know, being yeah. bobby rude coming up at kind of late 30s it's a slightly kind of interesting kind of changing of the guard it's not the kind of 20 somethings that are getting the attention it's the slightly older new call-ups well the uh, michael cole at one point did reference sort of the kind of the accolades that these the the four guys had uh put together between them there's th- three out of the four you know take away shames from um take away cesaro from all of this but three of the four of them had won world titles as king of the ring winner money in the bank winner you know all sorts of fantastic achievements between them in a fake sport but still <laughs> never, ne- never nevertheless they they were all very very over people um i don't like dean ambrose at all he's got two of my least favorite moves um, the the lunatic lariat i can't stand and then this thing the thing where he sort of does a, a little leap into the into the turnbuckle to yeah. sort of give him momentum as he runs to the other one it's so stupid it's so stupid um anyway i, I, I don't like him i do and he needs a good old wash well Again, a matter of personal opinion, I would say. But, Do you um, like Dirty I, Dean? I love Dean Ambrose, yeah. Well, so this is kind of residual shield love, I think, partly as well. But I think Dean Ambrose is actually a really good character actor. And again, I, like I say, I'm interested in characters and the story that's being told. And I think he's actually really good when he's given some some good material to work with. This reunion with Rollins has been fantastic. And I found that kind of re- really, really engaging. And then also this week on Raw, again, which you haven't seen, the really nice little skits, uh, again, working with Seamus and Cesaro. Yeah, I'm liking Dean Ambrose's work. I'll stand up for him. What do you think of Mrs. Dean Ambrose's work? Oh, I, I love Mrs. Dean Ambrose also. I think Renee has been a fantastic addition. I think it's 
been quite pleasant to have someone who's actually got uh, TV reporting experience doing the backstage interviews rather than your usual failed ring announcers or your kind of fitness models who yeah. couldn't hack it at the performance centre. I think it makes a real difference. And also, I think she's got an improvisation background, which I think is quite interesting. Yes, so, and. and she kind yeah. of. <laughs> Yeah, well, yeah. So, yeah, I I really enjoy her. I think she's a. Uh, I'm disappointed that it didn't work out for her on commentary. They tried out uh, her on NXT commentary for a while, and didn't seem to pan out. But maybe, maybe in the future. And what did you think of the innovation of the the post ring interview? So they did this with Jason Jordan, mm. um, and at the end of the women's match as well. Yeah, mm, I mean. Nice innovation. I'm just, uh, I, I don't know if those were the two right spots to do it. I think that's just, but that's, you know, the time and the place. I think, and nice to see them do something different. I think that's why they're trying to do it. I think they're trying to get some kind of crowd reaction for these people that are not really getting anything. Whereas if they try to do it, you know, backstage, yeah, it gets gets ignored. So I think having them right there, they were trying to engender something, and yeah, it didn't work. But fair play for trying something. Speaking of no reaction. <laughs> Uh, Bray Wyatt versus the man from Bray oh, Finn Balor. Yeah. Oh dear. Um, What's the point of this? Well, more importantly, what did you make of uh, Finn's new grey outfit? It looked like he was going swimming. Yeah, I didn't like it. I like him in black. Yeah. He's a handsome man. I've met Finn Balor. I actually spoke to him for my book. Yeah. Do you oh. call him Finn or Fergal? Fergal. He was he was Fergal then, so it was okay. It was an exciting day. Okay. In person or on the in phone? In person. Oh, lucky you. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, don't like his new grey pants. Um, yeah, his his feud with 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 Bray it doesn't do either of them any favours. Um, I mean, particularly Finn because he's you know he's 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 a world champion for sure. Um, two two questions here. Well, no, I'll ask one question here okay. first, and maybe you know this because you've you've spoken to Ferg. Um, Ferg. <laughs> my mate Ferg. Yeah. How do you um, how do you work the coup de gras? How does that not hurt? Uh, you know, a an athletic, heavy-ish man jumping from distance onto something, on, well, onto it, another human being. How does that? How do you work that? I think it does hurt. Essentially, I mean, one of the things that I kind of kept getting told repeatedly when I was researching the book, and it's just like it's always going to hurt most of these moves do hurt not to the extent that they might look like they hurt but you have to kind of prepare yourself for it so you might be kind of you know, flexing a muscle so it kind of doesn't hurt quite so much being having a, a taut muscle hit than a than a, a slack muscle being hit but yeah it just hurts i mean kurt hawkins got thrown into an led light board on monday night raw and he got huge gashes down his back because you know braun Strowman threw him into a, an led light board the saint ballet so, you know, what's going to happen? It's, it's bound to hurt. You're going to get injured. And I think the best way to think of a lot of these moves in professional wrestling in general is it's genuine contact, yeah. but to a predetermined outcome. So something like the coup de grace, you know, you can work it a little bit. You can pull it back slightly. You can prepare to take it. But, you know... Ultimately, as you say, you're getting, like you're getting a grown man jumping on you, essentially. I mean, I was thinking about this as well because I, I've watched on the network, uh, they've got um, a doc about giants, giants of the ring. Um, and they show quite a lot of old Andre stuff. And one of his things was, was standing on you. Mm. And that's got to hurt because he, he was a big fella. Yeah, Braun did that to Enzo last night. You don't oh, like to. I don't care about that. <laughs> I, hope it, I hope it hurt. <laughs> um, 
<laughs> and maybe as he was saying, you know, you, you flex your muscles and you get ready uh, to take the coup de grace. Maybe, you know, um, Bray Wyatt in that regard is probably the ideal opponent with his wobbly tummy. Yeah, to, maybe. To take that, maybe. Um, yeah, but he's he was he was good as the champion. Um, but they've they've put him back into his role, and I, I read something, or perhaps I heard it on another podcast this week, that a really really sage comparison here that Bray Wyatt's role is sort of the modern day Jake the Snake. You fight him to go to the main event, basically, mm. but he will never himself go to the main event. And you know maybe maybe he's happy doing that, but he's just not a scary character. No, I mean there was a time when he was, and. You know, I miss the. You know, I enjoyed the Wyatt family. I, I, I enjoyed Eric Rowan. I enjoyed Luke Harper. And I thought having that kind of little gang, there was something quite threatening about that. But they, they I seem, don't know where they, those two have gone. Injured, I think, both of them. But I think Luke Harper will be back soon. I okay. hope so. But yeah, even when they were together, you kind of kept thinking they might have missed an opportunity. Like when they dragged Brian off to hell or whatever it was, and then he was back like yeah. the next week. Well. That wasn't very scary. Yeah. I should just say, if um, if listeners can at this point and, and have done throughout the podcast, been listening, uh, sorry, have been hearing uh, construction work going on behind us. We're we're in the ACAR studios here, and uh, they are constructing Hell in the Cell behind <laughs> us. That's that's why there's there's two miles of chain link fence going up around the the fort, or maybe they're they're taking down the Punjabi prison as oh, well. You can only hope. Anyway, yes. Uh, so, final word on, on Bray Wyatt. Maybe we can tie this into Braun Strowman. I do hope those two don't go anywhere near each other because I think that will just be the kiss of death for Braun. Yeah, I mean, I don't know what the plan is with Bray. I mean, I think the Jake the Snake thing is quite interesting. I hadn't thought of it like that before. But I never kind of felt that Jake the Snake was ever stuck in a rut. I always kind of thought that he knew what he was, you know, he, he had a plan. I, don't, I always feel like Bray is saying the same thing week in, week out. And nothing he threatens ever gets carried through so you know that's why he's not scary i think it's true well, props to him for those two uh chucking suplexes that he did on on uh on finn I, I i did enjoy them don't think i've seen that sort of thing before that was that was good um let's talk briefly about the women's fatal five way uh a multi-woman well a multi-person women's match yeah. rather than a multi-women's person's match um <laughs> nijak's kind of the star coming out of this she she had the big spots we've talked about how she nearly killed yeah. herself again with that taking that double power bomb with uh, assisted drop kicks as well uh, that was a really nasty landing and i thought that she was she was out for the match but then she she came back and did a bit of a hope spot at the end um yeah i think it i think that this was the right ending keeping the belt on alexa because they have swapped this belt around far too much yeah. And I, and I like Alexa. I like Alexa. Um, I kind of feel a little bit like the women's division is losing its way slightly. Um, for all their talk of the women's revolution, the roster is still pretty thin. And I feel like they've been keeping it all in a bit of a holding pattern until uh, Asuka comes up to kick everybody's faces off, which is going to be fantastic. And I'm excited about that. Whose face would you most like to see her Ooh, kick Oh, I'd like to see her kick everybody's faces off simultaneously. She probably could do that. But in the women's division, she's already done it in NXT is the thing. We've, we've seen this. I mean, they brought Mickey James out on Monday Night Raw. And that, well, Asuka's already beaten her. Oh, there's Alexa. Oh, yeah, Bailey. Okay, so you know what? What is there? What is there that she's going to do that's new? Unless we're just going to repeat the same unbeaten storyline. Maybe, 
she hasn't faced Nia Jax yet. Or maybe she has. Because Nia's not like most girls. So She's maybe. not like most girls. And I tell you what, Nia's got so much better. I thought when she got called up it was a little bit early for her because she was still looking very, very green in NXT. But she's coming in leaps and bounds. I'm really pleased for her. I think uh, uh, in, in comparison, though, Emma, I thought she was very much the weak link in this match. Well, I, th- I suppose she's a little bit ring rusty, to be fair to her. I mean, she's had some horrible injuries. And uh, the, the, is it herniated disc or something? She had a back surgery, didn't she, recently? Then she comes back and you know, thrown into this match and trying to find something for her to do. So, you know, credit to her for actually being there at all, to be honest. Yeah, but that, that blue lipstick's just all wrong. Yeah, evil Emma, yeah. Does anyone wear blue lipstick in real life? Um, I think they do in Camden. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Used to go there. Yeah. Um, is it worth talking about the the curtain jerker in this card that was... What's his face? Jason Jordan yeah. versus The Miz. Mr. Miz. Um, yeah, Jason Jordan with an outfit, a Scott Steiner styley outfit. Um, he's he's a, he's a great performer. I do like that suplex he does. I think his facials are way over the top and far too hokey. And I think that Kirk could probably give him a bit of advice, seeing as he has his he he's is his, his dad, dad yeah. and all. Uh, that said, Kurt's backstage acting is just dreadful. Just. Just dreadful. That that segment with with Miz after the match, because Miz did win this, let's not forget, um, where Miz talks about having Roman on Miz TV. Oh, the acting in this was just something else. Well, I think, um, you know, I think because Miz is so good at pretty much everything at the moment, I think he just kind of puts a gloss of not terribleness over everything, even if it is terrible. I mean, the Jason Jordan thing. I mean, I really enjoy um, or enjoyed American Alpha. I loved what they did in NXT. Um, I was kind of hoping they'd stay together for a bit longer, but it looks like they're going to repeat the same American Alpha kind of storyline with Chad Gable and Shelton Benjamin now. But I just think Jason Jordan looks a bit lost. I mean, I know that Kurt is trying to drag him along and trying to give him some kind of some kind of rub but it doesn't seem to be working no one seems to be reacting there was just silence when his music played I mean it is terrible music but yeah I feel bad for him do you think the Miz got the biggest the biggest pop of the night yeah I think so yeah I yeah I think the Miz is doing probably the best work of his entire career and if you think back what six or seven years after he got that concussion and Cena and the Rock are making him look like an absolute dingbat and Look at him now. Yeah, it's fantastic. Well, I thought, I thought it was very interesting, um, again, on comms, uh, although let's just say Booker, having Booker on commentary. I don't know why they're still doing that. Anyway, um, it was Michael Cole, who had a, a good night, generally, uh, was saying that only Pedro Morales and Di Morocco have, have been longer reigning intercontinental champions, kind of mm. cumulatively. Which I thought was very interesting, and I didn't know that about them. Is I didn't know that he'd... It just kind of passed me by that he'd had so many... I see title reigns. You know, good on him. Yeah, really good for him. I'm, I just think, also obviously he's married to Maurice. They're having a baby. Yeah, he's married up. He's doing extremely he's, well for himself in life. He's well. basically winning. Yeah. <laughs> Perhaps on that bombshell, uh, Carrie, we should, uh, we should leave it there. Do you want to give one more plug to your... Your book before you write the sequel. Yes. And, uh, you know, there's no need to plug that one anymore. <laughs> yeah, Spandex, Screwjobs and Cheap Pops, Inside the Business of British Professional Wrestling, out with Pitch Publishing. Available at all good bookstores and online. 
Is it available as an audio book? I don't think so, no. Well, let's make that happen. Okay, let's do that. Get your friend Triple H to come and read some of it for us. Do the foreword or something, perhaps. My friend Paul? Yeah, your friend Paul. Kerry Dunn, thank you very much. Uh, I've been Ben Green, producer Ben. You may know me as from The Totally Football Show. We'll be back for Hell in the Cell. Thanks for listening. This has been Parts Unknown. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.